Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Facebook marketing expert Dennis Yu. Dennis is the co-founder and CEO of Blitz Metrics, a digital marketing company which partners with schools to train young adults. His program centers around mentorship and helping students grow their expertise to manage social campaigns for enterprise clients like the Golden State Warriors, Ashley Homestore, Rosetta Stone, and many more. He's spoken in 17 countries, been featured in TechCrunch, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, LA Times, National Public Radio, CNN, Fox News, CBS Evening News, plus much more. He held leadership positions at Yahoo and American Airlines, and I've asked him to join us here today so we can all understand how do you better use paid Facebook advertising to drive our businesses. So Dennis, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Good, Daryl. Always a blast. We're Always like 8,000 miles apart, but we're still chatting. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I mean, if we went back in time, even like 15, 20 years ago, and said, hey, I'm going to open up a portal and just, you know, well, I guess we're, it's not video. But if we said we're going to talk to people around the world in real time for free, people think that's crazy. That's ludicrous. They think it was magic. So now you've accomplished a lot. You're obviously very well known. Speak on stages. I'm a big fan of your stuff. But how did you even get into business? Like before all this, before you got to where you are today, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? How did you even get started? Well, I'm an ABC. I'm an American-born Chinese. Very shy. You might never know, but I was good at math. And I was scared of people. Mm. I would, you know, there'd be meetings or something and I would go hide in the bathroom mm. and I wouldn't want to approach anybody. I didn't know their name. I'm still that way in terms of I don't seek out clients. I don't cold call all of the clients and all the team members we have come to us, which is kind of weird. So I never sought out to be an entrepreneur. I never wanted to be a public figure or someone who spoke on stage. And I reluctantly had to become that. Because I've realized that in order to drive revenue, in order to optimize, you have to practice what you preach. And there was a shift about maybe seven years ago where it would it used to be in digital marketing is text dominant. And the search engines, they would go by whoever linked to who in a voting popularity contest. I used to run analytics at Yahoo almost 20 years ago. So that's kind of the game that we played. And now the voting is based on people not just linking to one another between web pages, but clicking like and leaving reviews on Yelp and visiting other people's websites and subscribing on iTunes and all these different signals that are basically votes, right? I mean, if you think like someone watching your YouTube video or leaving a, a, re, a review on Facebook or, sh or sharing your stuff on Twitter, like 
do you think it would make sense that you could attach points to those, right? Right. To, to calculate popularity. And for me, I've been interested in the math behind how that works. And by doing internal analytics at Yahoo as an executive, I had arguably the world's largest treasure trove of data of all the search behavior and all the things that people were doing on the different properties, sports, shopping, finance, travel, small biz, news, mail, search, right? They're all the different things that people were doing. And I thought it was fascinating because it was the world's largest math problem, if you will. But to become an entrepreneur and a public figure, I, in order to get the data I wanted, I had to speak on stage, I had to create guides, I had to learn how to make one minute videos because everything's moving, Daryl, as you know, towards personal branding, towards people, consumers that want to connect with the brands, not in a corporate logo kind of way, but through individual stories. And so those people who are, who are not engaging in terms of through personal stories are being left behind. And thus I've been forced into this weird, awkward position of speaking on stage and making videos, even though I, I'm the first person who would run and hide behind the camera, right? Who would not want to go on stage. But <laughs> you know, if I'm going to teach other people like right, Daryl, if I'm going to show you or tell you what to do on, on Facebook, I probably need to be a, uh, be a practitioner first, right? Right, right, right. Practice what you preach. Yeah, I get that 100%. So, I mean, now for some people it might feel overwhelming because you're right. I mean, the, the online world is becoming even more interconnected. There's personalization in search, but then there's also the, like you said, they're getting smarter and connecting off-world events with online events. What would you recommend to someone that's starting out and struggling with that? Like you just already, they sound overwhelmed. Like I got to have a Yelp page. I got to have a Twitter. I got to have a website. Like what are some of the core fundamentals? I'll keep it really simple. You don't need a website. You don't need a Quora or a Twitter or a YouTube or even a podcast or any of that. You need your Facebook profile. You know, you log in the Facebook as a user. That's your starting point. I would have not said that 10 years ago. I would have argued up and down about how you needed your own website. You needed your own email list because you had to have your own properties. But nowadays, unless you're super successful and you've got a team, you've got to start with your Facebook profile because that's where you're going to test to see who resonates with your content. You're testing your one minute videos. You're interviewing other people. It costs you nothing because it's advertising supported. And then the second thing that you do is you create a business page on Facebook that we call your public figure page. It looks just like Daryl Urbanski, same logo, right? Same profile picture, same name, but it's a business page, not a profile. And then you cross post the things that are working well to get the most likes, comments, and shares and engagement, therefore proven to the algorithm onto your business page and you're able to boost it. You get analytics. Then third piece, you create a LinkedIn profile and you cross post from your Facebook page to your LinkedIn. Because even if you're selling to consumers, you still need partners, you still need suppliers, you still have clients, you still have other people that you're dealing with, you're still building your business, not just working in your business, but you're working on your business. And then you have your website. And then you have other things like Pinterest and Snapchat and what have you. And I think this is true for almost anybody. I have to be a public figure, but they're feeling overwhelmed. Just start with the basics. Right. Just like if you want to rank on search engines, rank on Google, which is 80 percent of search. And there's uh, 300 search engines. But start start with Google. You want to rank on social, start with Facebook and then move into the other networks one at a time. So now what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making with their online, like their personal brands and their online presences? They're wasting their time. Number one, they're trying to do everything. They're selling all the time. 
they're not connecting with people by making one minute videos and relating. They're trying to meet too many people and make too many shallow connections. They subscribe to the idea of hustle porn, which is kind of a Gary Vaynerchuk thing where you work all the time and you struggle and you struggle. That's ridiculous. We already know what it takes to be successful in our hearts and minds, which is how do you build relationships when we're face to face? So it, next time we hang out, Daryl, maybe it'll be you know in Makati or, or somewhere in the Philippines. And the way we treat each other in person should be the same way we treat each other online. And I think when people miss on that, all kinds of nonsense happens. Then they look for tools and software and hacks and all these things that get away from building those personal connections. Technology, getting the fancy camera equipment, thinking that getting you know Infusionsoft or something is going to solve their problem. Nothing wrong with Infusionsoft, but that's not going to solve your underlying problem. Right. Yeah. A mass. Right. It's a, yeah. Expert tools don't mean you know how to use them expertly, and a tool can't solve a fundamental problem. Garbage in, garbage out. Right. If you if you don't have the right things going into the system, you're not going to get the the outputs that you want. I love this. I'm a huge fan of this. So, but how how do you then turn that into dollars? Like, okay, so we need to connect with people on a personal level. We need to not just sell. Of course, we need to build relationships. But how do you how does that fit into the traditional? Like, you've got quotas to make. You got to hit that quota this yeah. month. How do you how do you translate that there? You got to pay rent. You got to pay employees. You got bills to pay. So you already have that. I see on your site, like the self-liquidating offer, the idea that you have an intermediate step between engaging people and collecting their money. And that is you get their email address and through an email sequence, you teach them something. You don't sell your product. You teach them. And towards the end of your email sequence, you offer them the solution that they that you've taught that they can do themselves but you've got a service that will do that. Or you've got a product that will do that. And instead of you going through, this is what we do, right? So you can go and buy or download our course, for an example, on Facebook ads. And you'll get some of these guides that are 200 or 300 pages long. If you search the internet on me, you will find literally 2,000 plus articles that I've written. Mm -hmm. And you might think, wow, all this stuff is free, right? Oh, mm -hmm. fantastic. We won't need to hire Dennis's company or whatever. We've got all this stuff right here. <laughs> eating it and you're like oh wow i didn't realize there was all this other stuff you know what they've got a program for just a few hundred dollars that i can get my pixel in place which by the way you're missing right on your best business podcast or i can get my facebook ads done you know my time is worth a lot more than 15 or 20 dollars an hour i'd rather have these kids that are in dennis's program do the work for me right the best way to get customers is you actually show them how you do it that way it's uh -huh. like, you know what? You want to do it? Knock yourself out. Here's uh -huh. our guide. We're not hiding it. It's not like, oh, you got to sign up for this 90-minute webinar in the first 60 minutes. We're just going to lead you on and say nothing, and then we're going to try to sell you at the end. <laughs> no, just tell them. Just give it to them, yep. right? I, you could see my articles. I'm not hiding it behind an email address. I'm just giving it because mm. the people that, that don't value their time, that want to just implement it themselves, knock yourself out. Take yeah. our guides. Yeah. Go hire your virtual assistant. Get a team of them from the Philippines. Maybe you've got a child that, you know, who's unemployed. Have them do the work. But if you value your time, this is what we're saying to clients, and these are the kind of clients that you want if you're an entrepreneur and you're growing your business. You value your time. People will respect that your product or service saves other people time. I was having a – it was yeah, yesterday. I spoke at PartnerCon, which is Infusionsoft's big meeting. Yep. Yep. and. It was funny because their head of marketing was saying something along the lines of, well, we have all these new features and Infusionsoft has got this, this, and this, and then versus ActiveCampaign, 
and HubSpot, that's what they have. And you have this checkbox list of comparisons on, you know, who's got the more features kind of, you know, when people are doing this side by side comparison. Yeah. And I said, that's ridiculous because that's not what people want. When people sign up for marketing automation, when, when people sign up with Infusionsoft for us, it's because they want the campaigns in place. They want to collect leads. They want to sell their guides. They want to sell their power hours because they're a social media consultants. We have campaigns for that, right? And they happen to have to sign up for Infusionsoft because that's where we push all the campaigns. We've already built everything inside Infusionsoft. So they don't, they don't want Infusionsoft, they want the result. And when we told them, hey, you know, you need to reframe your stuff on all the different features that you have into what are you actually helping them do? People don't want the, they don't want the shovel, right, Daryl? They want the hole. That's right. That's right. And most entrepreneurs, they miss on that. So if you literally, if you have knowledge and you share it, people will say, wow, that's amazing. This person knows what they're talking about. There's no need to convince them that you're good because you just put it out there. There's no need to get on a one hour free call and listen to them. And then you explain what you do over and over again. What a huge waste of time, right? And that way, when they come to you, they're ready to buy. There's no need to negotiate, negotiate the price because you already told them what it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it, it's especially with the internet today, day, in today's day and age, people can Google anything. So knowledge isn't what's super valuable because knowledge is abundantly available. Maybe not all knowledge and not specialized knowledge, but then the value is in being the per, the aggregator of knowledge to, to, to formulate a plan to produce a result and then offering the service or the product or the tool or the software or the mechanism that helps them get the result that they want. So if you can attract them by organizing the content into a reasonable, like a, an aggregate format, here's the checklist, here's the 10 steps to X, that's going to one, bring them to you versus make them surf and try to piece together it all themselves. People are just going to kick tires and want to try and do it themselves. They're going to do it anyway. So whatever. Now at least they see you as a, you know, as a, as an expert, right? As an, as an authority figure. And then the people that want to help, right? The people that either have kids, the people that have successful businesses, you know, they know that they can't do everything themselves. There's only so many hours in a day, and then they're just going to try and figure out how do we get this started. Let's you know find a way to crawl, walk, run into a relationship together. I love that. I think that's brilliant. So let's talk about what do you feel are some of the habits that have helped you? Like how did you like in figuring this stuff out and developing yourself and your career and getting your business to where it is now and your authority to where it is now? What are some of the habits that you felt have helped you and some of the most successful clients you've worked with? I like to divide my day into thirds, so it's like working three jobs except that we call it learn, do, teach. So think of it this way. Assuming that you're a normal person and you sleep seven hours, eight hours per day, and you're doing other things, you might work eight to 10 hours per day. Some days more, some days less, but you can't really sustain more than eight or 10 hours a day just because of productivity and all that kind of stuff. You know, right, lack of sleep right. makes you makes you dumb dumb. So if you have, let's just say for sake of simple math, you have nine hours per day, Daryl, to work on your business. How much of that time do you spend actually working on clients, like actually working on the business, doing tasks, doing work, right? I would argue that you shouldn't spend more than three. If that's the case, what, what are the other six hours doing? Surfing the internet? No, you're spending three hours learning every day. Mm. Learning mentors, learning from people that you know are super pro because they've done the thing that you want to do, right? Whatever you want to do, write that list of five or six things that you want to actually achieve. It could be your whole, you know, think and grow rich thing. And then who are the people that have done that? And then listen to them. Don't listen to anybody who hasn't done it before. They're going to give you advice and it's probably wrong, but they're well-meaning. But, you know, your friends and family want to give you advice, but it's wrong. So three hours of learning, three hours of doing, and three hours of teaching. And teaching means documenting what you're doing so it's repeatable. 
so other people can follow along. And if you're not a big fan of writing checklists because you just don't think like that, fine. Record a go-to meeting or Skype where you're doing something and you record a 30-minute thing and you have a VA transcribe it or you have a, these videos. That, you know, anything you know how to do, you turn it into a video and anyone else can watch it and then you stick it in your in your folder and everyone can see, okay, here's 20 different tasks and how I do them and anyone can watch that. So you don't have to keep repeating yourself unless the more you have in this library, the more you're banking time. And so when you follow learn, do, teach, three hours, three hours, three hours, you get this massive efficiency multiplier so that you can work on your business instead of in your business. So the three hours that you do do work is something that will be stuff that you can make repeatable. And you don't waste your time by giving away free consulting. So to wrap or to, to go back to what I said before, I'll give you an example. Guess how much I charge for one hour consulting? Uh, if I had to guess, maybe a thousand or two. 1500. So you're actually right. The average one, one, average of one in 2000 is 1500. And it was 500 bucks, maybe seven, eight years ago. Right. And then I raised it to a thousand. And then I realized when I raised it to 1500, I actually got more business and I got better clients. Uh -huh. And since then, the last years, it's just been fantastic. The people that buy this because it's serious, right? So anyone who's going to drop $1,500 an hour, they, they legitimately have something that they want to fix and they value my time. They value their time. Now, here's, here's the irony that most entrepreneurs, especially that are new and struggling, don't understand. In order for me to be able to charge $1,500, what has to be true? Your time has to be worth that. Like the value you bring to that hour has to be worth that. But how, how would they know before they've bought it? Like there are people that buy lots and lots of hours. Right? Every, you know, every month or two, they buy another couple hours because they want me to work on something else. But what? If they don't know who I am, yeah, well, not, have, well, if they've never before, how, how would they know? What would cause them to want to put that money down? Right. Well, they have to know, like, and trust you, and they have to be familiar with your content, right? Right. So if you follow Learn, Do, Teach, and you're documenting and openly sharing how you're doing stuff, you don't need to get on the phone and explain to them all this kind of stuff for free. Yeah. I, if you I, put all your stuff out, if you put your knowledge out there for free, so put, put, make, your, make your knowledge free. Oh, no, why would I do that? Then people won't hire me. No, no, no. It's the exact opposite. Put your knowledge out there for free, but charge a lot for your time. And when you understand that dynamic, everything turns around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. We did an interview with Liam Martin as well, who um, has, owns Time Doctor and Staff.com. And he was talking about all the companies that they work with. Staff.com tends to they do enterprise level solutions. And they were saying that all the companies that they, they tend to plateau because there's always a knowledge uh, what do they call it? Sacred knowledge problem in the company where someone has a position or a role that they can't duplicate, they can't delegate, they can't train somebody else on because it's all in their head. So just even as a practice in general, like in your business, it's way more beneficial to have that as a, as a, as a general habit routine practice for your business than to try to hoard it all for yourself as some sort of, I'm going to protect my role and protect my intelligence and, you know, protect yeah. this. It's just the wrong way to think about it. That's the employee way of looking at things. Look, if you're a founder, you're an entrepreneur, you want to replace yourself. In fact, my buddy John Jonas, who started onlinejobs.ph, you probably know him. Yeah. That's the largest yeah. Filipino. <laughs> he got me. He got me he started with online. Yeah, and Delhi, and yeah, he got me started with online. <laughs> That's like ten years ago now. We've created a series of courses together, where I spent time with him at his house, if you want to call it a house. It's like a mansion, and in Utah. And we recorded videos on how do business owners in the United States, for example, work with virtual assistants in the Philippines. And conversely, if you're a Filipino virtual assistant, what kind of skills do you need to know? How do you work with American clients? What do they expect? What are some of the weird cultural differences that you might not understand? 
right? So putting that stuff out there is how we're able to build a market and help other people actually, if you go to replace yourself, that's his site in, in addition to onlinejobs.ph. And when we do that, that not only helps the community on both sides for the VAs that want to get jobs and for the business owners in America and Western countries that want help, but it also helps us because now we've got these videos and courses. Anyone who takes those are going to think, holy moly, Blitzmetrics is super connected. They must be legit. Certainly they have some programs. If I'm going to hire a VA, I want one that comes through them because clearly they're hanging out with John Jonas at his house and going hiking and talking about all kinds of different business things like these guys must must know what they're talking about versus like, oh, here's some random dude on the internet that says that they can give you a VA for $350 a month. I don't really know if they're trustworthy or not. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I remember when I first was, I was working, I had a martial arts school. I was looking to get my first VA, found onlinejobs.ph, mostly through his stuff on how to delegate online. And he even told me things like about and hiring in the Philippines, like the 13th month, right? And mm -hmm. things like, just little insights that really made it easier, definitely. And then I was more likely to use, I, I hadn't signed up to a site, a site's like a monthly subscription or something to be able to post jobs on there. And I wouldn't have paid for it first because there were other free tools, right? Like at the time there was Odesk and Elance and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But that got me into his folds, right? I bought the program, I went through the program, I bought the membership and yeah, no, I think that's a perfect example of how that kind of thing works. So now, what do you feel like in your career? Do you feel that anything's really ever held you back? If you had to start all over? Oh, yeah. My goodness. I mean, where do I even start? A, imposter syndrome, because I felt like I wasn't good enough. When I first started uh -huh. at Yahoo, I thought I was going to get fired in the first week. Mm. Because I'm just some fraud. Like, I don't, I'm not that good of an engineer, right? I'm in Yahoo Engineering, and I'm around the people that built the foundation of the internet. Right. And like, two <laughs> away from me. Like literally two cubes away from me is Rasmus Lerdor, who invented PHP. Not, not a user, he invented that. And the other people who are the core contributors to the Unix kernel or to the W3C standards, I'm thinking like, my goodness, these are the people that wrote the books. These, oh my goodness, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe I got in, you know? And stuff like that has really held me back because I've always felt like, I don't know enough. And I know it sounds weird probably for me to say this, but this is this is how I actually feel. And I still feel like this today where like yesterday I taught at PartnerCon in front of all these other partners that are the best folks that use Infusionsoft because they're installing Infusionsoft and selling Infusionsoft for all these other guys. And yet I'm teaching about things like Facebook marketing, Facebook ads. I've done it 730 times and I've never, it's going to sound cocky, but I've never had a situation where I've been stumped. Where someone asks a question I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I really have no idea what you're talking about, right? Yet every time I go speak, I always prepare beforehand because I'm thinking, what if somebody's going to ask me some question? Or what if my stuff's not good enough? What if people by the end of my talk are going to think, oh man, this is so boring. I already know all this, right? Yeah. And I've talked to other founders and they all have this irrational fear. I think it can go back to the... It's not inferiority complex, but what is the what is it called? It's it's not Dunning Kruger, the opposite of Dunning Kruger, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think we all feel yeah. that, right? We all feel like we're not good enough, and it wasn't until and not even like I've overcome this, but I've had people, I've had such a privilege, like I had Al Casey, who was the CEO of American Airlines, as my mentor, and he opened an incredible number of doors, right? And I've had other mentors, like the the chairman of Allstate Insurance, Dick Hayen, amazing, right? And if it wasn't for those people that have opened doors for me, I would still be some low-level employee working for, you know, 15, 20 bucks an hour, you know, something like that. And 
I've always been held back because I was afraid I wasn't good enough or I wouldn't succeed or I didn't know enough or it was always some, I always had some bogus reason for not wanting to get going. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean because I I mean, I can relate to that myself. First time I helped a client do over a million dollars, it was fantastic, but there was no, it was funny because it's, it was like, wow, like I got my my bonus check at the time, a couple, you know, most money I'd ever had in in a single day. And I remember I just went and I bought like a booster juice. I bought like a $10 hat. $20 $20 pair of shoes. I put yeah. the rest of my bank account and it was kind of it. And there was no, there was no, like, it felt weird because it felt like having won a marathon with no one to cheer once you cross the finish line. Right. Yeah. And then after that, there really was this feeling of, did I actually do it? You know, am, am I good? Like, was it me? Was it somebody else? You know, and even after having had similar results with other clients, you still kind of, right. Like, it's like, you almost never believe it. And yeah. even if you do, it's always like, well, that was then. What about next time? Yeah. Right? That fear. I think that's a healthy thing. That healthy fear of the next, right? Like that's that's it. Complacency yeah. is dangerous. I mean, what you said about preparing yeah. before meetings is probably part of what's been a result of why you've maintained, you know, the the momentum that you have. And I'm sure you've had setbacks, right? But whatever. Oh, goodness. That's a whole not that's like 10 more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? What did they say that every um, yeah. success is many fathers but failure is an orphan, right? No one, no oh, one. <laughs> So true. Nobody wants to own that thing. <laughs> when I when I first started doing, well, not first when I when I first started doing PPC on my own. So when I left Yahoo, this was 14 years ago. I, I think I lost like three or four thousand dollars, which wasn't a huge deal because I made a lot of money when I because I was one of the early people at Yahoo. But I was like, oh my goodness, I you know at this rate I'm never going to be successful. I've already lost you know four or five thousand dollars running Google AdWords to dating sites, and it took me two or three weeks of working 14 plus hours per day until I just finally figured it out. And I was starting to make $50 a day, $100 a day. I got up to like $1,000 a day of profit after about maybe two months of not shaving, of not leaving the house, of just basically (laughs) sitting there at the computer using AdWords editor the whole time, just like going crazy. And to your point you made earlier, I remember one day, I was making enough money because it was through Azugo and Commission Junction. I think I, I I met the minimum for the daily wire threshold. I'm gonna say maybe that's two or three thousand dollars a day that they were wiring me this money. And I remember going to US Bank because I, I would ride my bike down the hill. I was in Boulder, Colorado. I'd ride down the hill to US Bank and I'd deposit this check for well, I think then it was weekly wire, so I was making like fifteen or twenty thousand dollars a week, right? And I deposit the check and I thought, wow, I must I feel like when the FedEx guy comes, you know, I'm going to jump out from behind the bushes, grab my envelope, you know, run inside my house. And like, it didn't feel real. Yeah. So all this, the money was coming through the mail and I didn't seem to connect the idea that I was sitting there clicking on campaigns and bidding on keywords. Like I had portfolios of over a million keywords on Google AdWords. And I, I was bidding, I was doing some crazy automation because I was an engineer, so I could do that kind of stuff. And it just, I didn't connect that activity from the FedEx guy that was coming and delivering a check. And then I, I liked getting the check because it felt like, it felt more real than the idea of a wire, mm. where then they started wiring money into my bank account. So those are things like that, where I just felt like I didn't deserve it maybe, right? Mm. I get $50,000 in my bank account, I'm like, I don't feel like I really earned it. And th- there'd be times when, I would have a campaign that would make $100,000 or $200,000. And you probably know this from the affiliate world. Often when affiliates hit that point, they just get lazy and they don't do anything. And maybe the thing will continue to make money. 
and then it dies after maybe four or five weeks. And then they got to go back to working hard again. They make money. They get lazy for another month or two. Then they, you know, work again. So it's like this cycle of going up and down. But it was so weird that, that all this money would be coming into my bank account, even if I was doing nothing. So I would literally go to a sushi restaurant with my friends. I remember one time I was making $85,000 a day and 50000 was profit. This is 10 years ago with the whole who has a crush on you and what's your IQ. Most of those ads were mine. Wow. And you, you probably knew that or who knows. And, and I remember I was at a sushi restaurant with friends for lunch and I had my laptop open. And if you know me, I always have my laptop open and I was clicking refresh and every, I click refresh every few seconds and our earnings would go up by a few hundred dollars. And I just kept thinking like, wow, this is so weird because I felt like I had to keep clicking like a, a superstitious thing. Like if I stop clicking, the, earnings, clicking, the money's not going to be there anymore. <laughs> so then we, we'd finish our sushi meal and then I click refresh. And we've made another, you know, whatever, $8,000 just during the time we had the meal. And I'm thinking, well, you know, lunch was $800 and we made 8,000. So actually, you know, we, we still made $7,000. So it's good, right? We can act, you can order whatever you want, right? <laughs> well, that, that, so now let's bring something. This wasn't in my, I mean, this is an interesting concept. Have you had to deal and I share whatever you like, but have you had to deal with, or how have you dealt with? apathy because i know just even myself like full transparency i had a tough maybe three months two months three months just when i first had more money in my bank account than i could spend in a couple of years and i realized that if i just disappeared and did nothing like i'm you know what i mean like i'm good and i'm not not really a drinker but there's i know people that they've been like you know i can have a drink at 10 a.m why not because i work so hard like i deserve it right like exactly like you said like yeah. you know i got the money rolling in so like have you had that battle with your vices and have you have you over have you overcome them how did you overcome them what was that experience like i'll answer that in two parts so I am a weird bird, so those that know me, they know that I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't gamble, I'm not interested in <clears throat> going to the mall and shopping, I'm not interested in fancy cars, I mean, I don't, it, I don't judge other people that do like those things, right? Right. Uh, I don't, I don't watch porn, I don't, like, I'm, not because I'm holier than everybody, but I just, just not interested in any of those things, right? Sure. But, sure. but I do like food, like, that's the one thing I allow myself to have. So it could be chicken wings. I love fried chicken. I love steak. I've been to three of the fanciest steakhouses on the planet in just the last week all over the place, right? In Orlando, in Las Vegas. But anyway, back to the apathy thing. I tried, like when there are times I made money and I tried to see if like buying a sports car or flying a whole bunch of people first class or by, you know, getting some sweets for everybody or like doing those kind of like if, throwing if that, parties. If that brought you happiness. I, I, you know, I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. So I did that. And I thought, this is stupid. Here I am in Las yeah. Vegas paying $750 a bottle with these other people. I don't like yeah. it's loud. Yeah. This I can't talk. These women are just clearly here to try to look Make cool with money. their friends. Okay. I'm paying for everything. I don't even know who these people are. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's when I thought, man, there's got to be something better than this. Because according to the commercials, like I thought the deal was if you live that lifestyle, I mean, you see these affiliate people, they make it sound that these like online get rich influencer people, you see this lifestyle thing, private jets. Like first time I thought I flew in a private jet, I thought, wow, this is really cool. But after 15 or 20 times, I'm like, you know what? This is nothing like this is just like those little jets on American Airlines, you know, like American Eagle, the Bombardier, you know, regional <laughs> jets. Like, it's just a little nicer inside. I flew once on the Frito-Lay corp. They had they have three corporate jets in plane, you know, Frito-Lay. 
So the main, their main jet has Chester the cheetah flying on the fuselage. And I remember going inside, beautiful oak paneling. And then you open, because I'm a curious kind of person, I opened a little drawer inside. And it's full of like Cheetos and Lay's potato chips. And like, <laughs> oh, man, I think it'd be something fancy inside. It looks all fancy. And then you open it up. It's like it's Cheetos. That's cool. Though. I got, you know, orange. I got orange smeared all over the cabin, which I'm sure they had to clean up later. <laughs> but here, but here's the thing that's really meaningful. I realized that my passion was in education. And I always knew that that's what had made me happy. Whether I was a broke student or I was making money, I loved educating. And I thought, how do we do this at a larger scale? The mentorship that I got from an Al Casey, for example, and that's what spawned Blitz Metrics. Not the idea that I want to make money or look good or have a lifestyle or impress right. other people, but how do we help other people based on the things that I've gotten where you combine training and mentorship and partner with the school system, not by saying, oh, college sucks and, you know, the popular thing, but you know, working with the school system. So you, you learn the foundation of how to learn and then you actually get work experience at the same time. Um, that's what we've done last 12 years and every year we either break even or we lose a little bit of money because every dollar goes back into training up these young adults. I don't ever intend to make any money in this company because that's not what we're doing. Yeah, I love that. I, I want to emphasize something for the listeners here. So, I mean, there's typically two paths. There's people that chase money first and people that chase passion or a why or a reason. And, you know, if you have a plane, the purpose of the plane is not to get as much fuel as possible. But you can't go anywhere without fuel. And it's the same thing. You want to get things done. You have to be able to pay for people, buy resources. And it's kind of the same thing with money. And people that chase money, like what we just kind of described here, if you find a way to tap into the money, you have all this money, but it's like, great, but I have all this fuel, but I have no destination. And so suddenly yeah. you start looking for that destination, that passion, that why. Whereas there's other people that get the why. For like now you've got the why. And I think you're one of your partners. Like you two have a similar why. And that can fuel yeah. you. And now it's way more meaningful. And the money doesn't matter. I mean if you've got roof and you've got you know a roof over your head and food on your plate. Yeah. I think there was a study that was like more than $100,000 a year. doesn't really increase happiness much because at that point you can pay your medical bills. If you want to take a vacation, you can take it. There's a diminishing ROI on happiness from money. But what doesn't diminish is impact and influence, right? The greater Absolutely. impact and influence you can have, the greater that you can have. So I just want to emphasize that for the listeners here. You know, we talk about building our businesses a lot on the show, but it's really just who do you want to be and sort of if you had to live the same day every day for the rest of your life, what would you want that day to look like? How would that day need to be structured so you were content in yourself, in your life and with where you would end up 80 years from now? I think that that's a really good way to look mm -hmm. at it. Absolutely. Instead of using people to get things, how do you use things to help people? And what's the way that you can maximize that? So when you're when you're looking when you're talking to your your future self on your deathbed, and what does that future self say about what you've done in your life and the impact that you've made and what advice would that person give to you? That's what I would want to do today. And if you see all the studies of people that are on their deathbed, so these nurses ask, so what things do you regret? And of course the classic answers are, oh I never said like, oh, I wish I worked another hour in the office. It's always relationships. It's always impact. It's always these other intangible things. And it took me a while. I mean, I'm 44. And it wasn't until I was maybe 30 that I started to realize that. But it's not, not too late. 
I love that because I actually have this thing I keep around and I share it. I have a mastermind group of my own. Share it with them on a regular basis. I share it on social media. I share it everywhere and I try to look at it myself. Maybe not as often as once a quarter, but definitely more than twice a year. And it's the top regrets of the door, uh, the dying. And it's exactly that. It was a survey from yeah. nurses who worked in palliative care and they came up with five. And it was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the yeah. courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and I wish that I had let myself be happier. And I always post that yeah. and I say, do any of these resonate with you? Because if they do, the time to fix it is now. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. I love that. Right now, I like to share with you three things which I believe will help improve your life, save you money, plus make your business and income grow fast. The first is to call 1-888-844-4769 or 1-888-844-GROW. Introduce yourself and tell me how I can help or how far you've come from where you were when you started. Your story can inspire others plus motivate those who are in now or have come from a similar situation. Second is let me suggest the best of the best options available for your current business. I speak to a lot of people and I can connect you to the expert resource or tool which will get you the growth you want in your business now if you will just take a second to tell me about yourself. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash help. I'll diagnose the exact thing you need to get you from where you are now to where you want to be in your life and business. Once again, just go to bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash help. And with a couple clicks, you'll see what I'd suggest you do if you sat down in front of me and help me understand your current mental, physical, financial situation, plus the stage and status of your current business now. So once again, go to bestbusinesscoach.ca forward slash help, click on what best describes you and only get the best you deserve. Your time is important, so help me get you the right tool, introduction, strategy, tactic, or tidbit of information you need for better revenues and save your time by needing less effort. Work smarter, not harder. I'm suggesting you help me help you work on your business instead of in it. Third, Check out morefreemoney.com to plug a money-sucking black hole and save your business from disaster before it's too late. See, most entrepreneurs don't give their credit card processing accounts a second thought, but that's a big mistake costing you thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars each year. Money you deserve because you're the one who's done all the hard work you do to make the sale. The merchant industry is so bloated with fees, shaving half a percent or even a full percent can be worth a fortune to your bottom line. All you're doing is keeping more of the money you're already making. The other risk is having the wrong merchant account puts your entire business at risk if and when you hit a sudden growth spurt. Your merchant can decide to keep the money for eight months plus and shut down your ability to charge credit cards or even switch to a different merchant. Don't wait until it's too late. It takes five minutes and it's 100% free to find out how much you can save and make sure the merchant you have right now is the right one for your type of business. Be strategic. Set yourself up for safe, long-term growth. Visit morefreemoney.com to see how much more money you could be keeping from sales you already make. Stop your merchant from stealing from you after you close a sale and collect payment. Visit morefreemoney.com now. 
All right, let's flip into some business stuff though. Let's get some fundamentals out of the way. So I'm a big fan. I love your dollar a day strategy. So what's, what is this? We're putting, posting organic content. We're seeing what works best, what people tend to like and resonate. We're putting a little mm -hmm. bit of advertising behind it to increase our reach and our influence. And even because we can target and put that nice content in front of new audiences of people, we're building mm -hmm. a pool of people who we get to build relationships with. And we're then providing free education and training to them that eventually leads to a product or service. Did I miss mm -hmm. anything there? No, that's right on. I mean, the mechanics of it are that Facebook is a giant test tube or laboratory beaker or whatever your analogy is for a scientific experiment where lots and lots of chemical reactions are occurring at the same time because the system is now smarter than we are. It's like Skynet or 1984, Brave New World. What we want to do is put the right content and the right combination into the machine so that it can multiply it with working. And when you think of it as a multiplier, you know, Daryl, you could put it in your $10 bill and if it decides to multiply by 100, then you get $1,000 back. That's pretty awesome, right? But you put you put a loss in there, you put a minus 10, then you lose $1,000. But unless you know what you're going to get, then unless you put in lots of lots of different, I'll put in a penny, I'll put in a nickel, I'll put in this, this one minute video, I'll put in that one minute video. You have to keep doing that in a very methodical way until you you find the machine says, oh, if I put in a dollar bill, I get back 1,000. But if I, if I put in a $5 bill, I lose 10,000 or whatever it might be. The structure of how you, you work with the machine, how you feed the machine, is called the topic wheel. And that's how you structure your one-minute videos around your why, how, and what, which is the outside, middle, and center of your funnel. And we found this to work in almost any industry. For example, one of the clients we're working with, they're spending $8 million a year on Facebook ads. And they're trying to drive sales at less than a $200 CPA per membership. Right. And we were doing it off of their main company page. We were doing landing pages, lead gen that then tried to sell a membership. But we found just yesterday, for example, that we ran when we ran from a public figure page, the founder of the company and other people that are well known that we were able to cut the cost per acquisition down to forty three dollars. And we found the same thing to be true in almost any other industry. When we tell these personal stories to do one minute videos and then we use remarketing because you can do video view remarketing audiences, as you know, and we like to do it against mm -hmm. 10 second views, not against the default three seconds and not like 25 or 50 percent, but remarket against the, you know, we might put 50 videos out there or 20 videos out there and usually 10 percent of them will do well. So maybe we put 50 out there, five of them will do well and those we will put a ton of money against to be able to remarket then to our landing page then to whatever our core offer is and then see that conversion rate double then the net seat will be lower than what it was before even adding in the cost of building the initial remarketing audience so the cost of building a two or three part remarketing sequence from the initial view 10 second remarketing down to another video to a lead to a sale is still cheaper even if you add up the cost of three four or five touches that is still cheaper than going from a cold audience straight to a conversion because that cold audience gets a lower relevance score. Therefore, your CPCs are higher. Your base CPMs are higher. Your CPAs are way higher and you get penalized. You know, negative feedback hurts you. That reduces your relevance score. That causes your CPM to go up. It may pause your ads. It may cause your ads to die out faster for various reasons. But I think increasingly this is true and it will be true 
especially in 2019 and 2020, because traffic is now capped out in Western countries. There's no more growth of Facebook. Mm. They've already saturated. But guess what? Demand is starting to really increase. So what happens when you have supply and demand? You don't have to have studied economics at the London School of Economics like I did. Yeah. What, you, yeah. what you see is that So the, uh, we know that the cost of traffic usually goes up about 30% in Q4 because of Black Friday holiday sales, and it's nearly doubled year to year. This year, the cost of traffic may even triple from 2018 to 2019. The cost will increase faster than it has in previous years. If that's the case, the people that were fat, dumb, and lazy and were making money with their Facebook campaigns but still being sloppy, they're going to be pushed out of the system because they can't afford the traffic. Hmm. So how, let's say we take someone that's looking to just get started with this and how much of a budget should they try to dedicate? Because I, I, know, I know the concept, but I know where people have gotten stuck in that mm -hmm. building those re initial remarketing audiences. So you're showing videos, you've 50 videos, you've got five that do well, you start putting money into behind those to build a remarketing list of people that watch 10 second views. But right. how many views do you need to that 10 second video in order to have a meaningful size audience to remarket to the, to the rest of the way? Um, and then how, right? Like, and I, and a, yeah, $7, how much? That's all you need. $7, a dollar a day for seven days per video. Now I said 50, but if you're an entrepreneur, it's just you, you don't have a team, you don't have a multi-million dollar budget, just start with a few videos, make videos. Don't just put out videos for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. Put out three why, three how, and three what videos. That's a three by three grid. Right? The why is you're telling a story about who you are. You're not selling some kind of story that reflects some uh, emotional challenge or some kind of vulnerability or some kind of story so people get to know who you are as a person or whoever your public figure, founder, spokesperson, whoever that person is. Right. The how is you're sharing your knowledge like we talked about at the beginning. So we would share how do you do Facebook ads. We would share how do you land an enterprise client like in Nike. We'd share how do you tune a landing page. We'd share how do you look at your Google Analytics, right? And lots and lots of little one-minute shares of sharing your expertise. You're not selling. The minute you sell, you taint the whole thing. So you're just sharing your knowledge. And then the what is, hey, you can get an hour with Dennis for $1,500 right here. Or the what is come to our mastermind in Phoenix, February 21 to 23 at GoDaddy's headquarters. Or here's some service or package or here's some course that I have or whatever it is I'm selling. Give me money for this thing. I'm going to try to sell you this thing. And if you do three why, three how, and three what, put a dollar a day against each of those to test a grid of nine times seven only costs you $63. Then you put in another batch based on what's worked. Don't just make 50 at once at the top. Just put in three at a time and play win or stay on. You know how win or stay on works, right? That's right. Split testing. So which one? Yeah, which one? Keep... Yeah, that's it. There's nothing fancy about it. Update your audiences update your greatest hits, come up with better stories. You'll get better and better with video. Your first videos are going to suck. Get over your, you know, swallow your pride and start to learn how to interview other people and grow from Facebook to Instagram to YouTube. Now you're spending, instead of a dollar a day, your winners are spending maybe $2 a day, $50 a day. You're not going to put $50 a day unless you've put a little bit of money and you found it works and you put a little more. You put a dollar a day against everything to test. And if it's good, 90% of the stuff you're going to kill because it sucks. And that's just, that's how it is. Don't take it personally. 90% plus of your stuff will suck. Even me, I've, I've done a lot of Facebook ads and 90% of my stuff sucks. Maybe even higher, maybe like 95, right? Some people, 
that, that's just how it is. Okay. I've never seen anybody get better than 90% failure, right? right that's just right. how it is. <laughs> it's just, it's like, there's a, a beast that you have to feed before you get a success to come out and, you know, it's like you have to feed the, feed the beast the, all, enough failure that it's full and lets you pass. Think of it this way. So Daryl, do you play basketball? I did when I was in high school, not anymore. Okay. So you understand a half court shot. What is it? A, a court's like 93 feet. So half court's like 47 feet or something. Yep. That's a long yep. way from this, from the, that, uh, the tip off circle to the basket. What percent of the time do you think you could make that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I have to guess maybe 15% of the time, 20%. That's of pretty the time. awesome. 15% is one in seven. Well, I'm strong. So I'm, I'm across. Okay, so awesome. I, could, I could probably throw it that far. That's why I said, <laughs> all right. So, so one in seven times you can make it in the hoop from half court, just like you see in the middle of, you know, halftime in basketball games. Yep, yep. But let's say most of us, maybe we're not that good. Do for, for the people that are listening, or even for you, do you think that if you were in a stadium where it's the NBA finals and it's during halftime and you're one of those fans that's called out, you know, you go down there during halftime, 30,000 fans that are cheering and you have an hour to make as many shots as you want. You just have to make one and you win the hundred thousand dollar prize. Do you feel like you could do that? Yes. Yeah, I feel like I could too, even though I suck. And I think even grandma, as long as she's got the strength to actually get the ball that far, I mean, pretty much anybody, <laughs> even if you suck at that, even if you're like super uncoordinated, you know that if you have an hour, you can just huck enough shots, like one of them will go in. Right. And all you have to do is get one in. And if you get it in, you win. And that's how I think about Facebook. It's kind of like Russell Brunson, the whole like you're one funnel away, right? Yep. And Facebook's like that too. When you have that one winning ad, guess what? You can crank that sucker up to a thousand bucks a day. And that's that's what I've learned in the last 12 years. I've spent a billion dollars on Facebook ads. That's what I've learned. I will yeah. test and test and test. And then I get, it'll be the ad that you would never think like, oh, that ad sucks. But you know what? Don't judge it. Just like put it out. The one you think is going to win is actually the one that's probably going to suck the hardest. Yeah. How, 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 yeah. You just can't guess it. Ad, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even trust myself. I just I just put a dollar a day, so I'm spending seven dollars per ad, and I just see like, hmm, okay, I got I got eight, seven or eight of these things. Like, which one's gonna work? Oh, it's this one. I wouldn't have guessed it was that one, right? And then just put more money on it. Now, how do does it always have to be video? How do text ads play into this? I prefer starting with video. There are there is a place for text if you're selling products, especially if it's at the bottom of the funnel. Images do tend to do better. But if, unless you're a pro, I would start with video because video is how you tell stories. Video is the best way to educate. Video looks like what consumers might actually share. As, see, the minute you let people start writing a bunch of text, they start to sell. And they don't unless you're a pro at copy, don't do that. So text, if you do do text images, it needs to be the, the what tier. So the first one is the story, yes. the why, story of who you are. Second one is knowledge, how to do something. Third one yep. is the what offer. Those can be text ones yes got it got but it. the why and the how they have to be videos they have to be vertical or square you need captioning they can't start with a bumper they don't want to you don't want them to look like an ad don't use hashtags like all the classic mistakes that people make mm -hmm. now what about marketing a facebook group are you can you run ads to market a facebook group you can but i wouldn't do that unless you have a community of existing paying happy customers groups are for people that are already customers Mm. Yeah, don't confuse that with the page. Yes, the engagement's higher in a group, but that's because groups are for discussion among people who have already agreed that they are all part of a community. Right, right, right. So, okay, if you did, though, would you still – how do you run ads to a group? Can you do a link to a Facebook group 
in an yeah, ad? Yeah, you can. Yeah. And you can even tie a group to a page. But almost nobody's doing it, so I wouldn't recommend it right now. Got it. Okay. Groups you grow through mailing lists. Right. And where you're sharing amazing content that other people come in and they have to know the secret code to come in or you promote through email and you send a link to the group because you can send a group invite as an email. It's just a link. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, right. Don't grow, you don't grow groups through ads. That, that doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So where do you see the future of all this going? Where are we going to be in five, ten years from now? Oh, it's hard to say, but I can tell you this. Facebook is on its way to automating the ads process completely. So who really wants to learn to drive manual? They want to just drive stick, press the button, self-driving car. That's what Facebook's trying to do with ads. Google doesn't quite understand that because they think that engineers – do you have a friend, for example, that – likes to work on their car for fun like that's what they actually like to do is like yep. under the hood now if you're like me i don't i just want to get in the car i don't want to mess with the car and right? i don't want to learn how to even if they make the engine easy to work with i don't want to touch it it's just not i'm just not, not interested in that right and that's how most business owners and entrepreneurs are when it comes to things like facebook and email marketing and stuff like that building chatbots i don't want to touch that stuff so facebook knows that and you're going to see that they probably in two years they're going to have automation that will allow you to just dump in a few and it'll just do all the targeting and optimizing and structuring for you. Mm. And to do that, they have to have goals, content, goals that they've already done because you choose a business objective, which then means they also choose that they do the bidding for you and they also do the sub targeting, which people don't understand content. That's the hardest part. I'll talk about it in a second. Uh, targeting. OCPM takes care of that. Lookalike audiences are zeroing down on who those those people are. But the content side, that's where they're going to have to collect feedback automatically, make ads for you and all that. And that will take them a little while. They, they're, they're still working on their review game where if, if they see – because there's a lot of fake reviews, just like Amazon's killing all the fake reviews. Mm -hmm. But when they see that there's positive feedback, you've got to think that the machine is smart enough that they'll be able to figure out who your best customers are, what they're saying, and turn that into ads for you automatically. Because don't you think, Daryl, that word of mouth and what people have to say about you is more powerful than whatever you have to say about well, yourself? Of course, of course. What you say about yourself means nothing compared to what other people say about you. Right. So why not let Facebook do that? Who, what, 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 is the, what is the best place to capture how people think about you and what they say about your product and all that? Well, on some sort of profile, I guess. I mean, you probably want to put it next yeah. to, yeah, on a, on a profile of some sort. I mean, especially, it, it, now it depends on the context. Sorry, I, I, if I take it out of context. But if someone's yeah. looking at a product, they're looking to buy a product, you want to see it next to the product. You want to know the experience other people have had. A lot of people don't like surprises, <laughs> so I want to know what I'm going to feel when I do this before I do it. Right. And the, the best way to do that is through video and tons of it through other customers that are just like you. In other words, through your friends. Like, you trust what your friends have to say. And if they're providing feedback and you've got these things that are always on, always listening, they're in your ear, they're in your home, they're in your refrigerator, they're automatically ordering, you're talking to them, right? That's where we're going. That's going to have built-in advertising. Hey, Alexa, can you order me some pizza? Well, Daryl, um, I know you like pizza or I know you like pepperoni. Why don't I order this one? We got a deal. Oh, and by the way, Daryl, based on how your voice is sounding, I think you're depressed. Can I order you some aspirin or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's such a crazy part of where technology is going. I, that's, a, that's a whole other interview. <laughs> but interpretive interpretive suggestions. Yeah. 
Dennis, I want to be respectful of your time. This has been a fantastic interview. I think people are going to want to listen to this a couple of times over to make sure they get everything out of it. There's life meaning in here. There's business meaning. There's uh, practical, like nuts and bolts, how to implement strategies to generate a larger community and to, to generate larger ROI on what your activities in your business um, and even how to sell better. Is there anything I didn't ask you I should have asked you? Take action. Make one-minute videos. We've done a lot of these interviews, and the number one thing that makes me sad is that people think that they have to keep consuming more content. They're looking for that next magic tip. They're trying to write down more and more and more tips. Stop writing down tips. Stop, stop looking for the shortcut and start making your one-minute videos. And until you start, you're not, even, you're not even in the game for marketing. And that's something that I came to the conclusion of a couple. I tried to avoid it. I made all these excuses. Oh, my website's not ready. I don't have a budget. Oh, I need to get this fancy camera equipment. If, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you are the face of your business. You need to make one-minute videos so people get to know who you are. The number one problem of entrepreneurs, and this is the one thing I agree with Gary Vaynerchuk on, is that people don't know who you are. Make those one-minute videos. You might feel like a douchebag doing selfie stuff. Fine. Have someone else hold your, your iPhone. And that's all you really need. And get going. Practice. Look at what I'm doing. Right? Look at what... Some of our other friends like Travis Chambers. Got it. So make those one-minute videos, get started, get out there, see yep. what people resonate with, uh, spend a little bit of money to introduce yourself into communities you think are meaningful for your business that match your target profile, and just keep moving yep. forward. You got it, Daryl. And I want to hear people's feedback. Let me know how it's working. I want to see your one-minute videos. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I'll send some over. Uh, Dennis, <laughs> people love this. They want to get interested and they want to see some of your one-minute videos. Where do they go? How do they get engaged? Yeah. How do they follow? Follow me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Look for my name on LinkedIn. Okay, so it's Dennis U, D-E-N-N-I-S-Y-U. Check out Dennis U and Blitz Metrics. Yep. Um, awesome. And I'd love to see everyone's one-minute videos. Okay. I'll give you critical feedback. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate you, Dennis. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate you squeezing me into your busy schedule. And hopefully we get you back for a follow-up later this year so we can talk more about what you have going on and you can tell everyone how good or bad my videos were. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Well, maybe we'll make them in person in Manila. That sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Daryl. We'll talk soon. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps.
That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.